Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 28th, 2017. And you guessed it, me and Shaka are back to rip apart some NFL stories, some discussions, some drama, some playoff material that's going on right now to feed it to you the way you guys like it. Shaka, how was your Thanksgiving? It was fantastic. Um, hosted my first Thanksgiving. Uh, didn't poison anyone, so that's always a positive. But uh, it was a good time. Good, good. times had by all. That's awesome. Stuff, uh, excuse me? How about yourself? Oh, it was lovely. It was lovely. This was uh, my wife's a vegetarian, and we had a uh, we had Thanksgiving with uh, uh, her sister, who's also vegetarian. So I had my first vegetarian Thanksgiving. It was lovely, um, and I can tell you this: that uh, no matter what you do, th- there's usually enough food to fill you up. So uh, we definitely had plenty <laughs> of leftovers. I did not go hungry, and I was able to consume as much football as I possibly uh, could take. Especially, uh, you know, even the last game that was dog shit. I fell asleep at about halftime, but uh, you You're know. Not a man. I dude, gave up on that one. Dude, I did. It was not. It's, uh, so let's just let's. This is a nice little segue right into this discussion about Eli Manning. Breaking news: Before Shaka and I were even, we already had plans. We were going to discuss these teams, and then word hits the street that Eli Manning has formally been benched by the New York Giants. They're going to start Geno Smith. <laughs> Holy fucking shit! Um, this is definitely big news. I think there's a lot of angles that we can discuss with this story. Um, I have some thoughts, but I want to get some of your reactions right now, Shaka. Just give me some of your thoughts about this right off the gate, right out the gate. I mean, not to take too long with this, but I really give everyone is fucking livid that Eli Manning is going out in such an awful fashion. But, but let me just paint a different picture really quickly. The plight of Geno Smith. Look, as a Jets fan, I know that Geno Smith is dog shit. I've seen him play for us. Mm-hmm. But consider this. Our management is dog shit, and they put him in a lousy position for a rookie quarterback to be in in the first place. Uh, factor in that the year that he was actually supposed to get an opportunity to have some weapons around him, you know, Brandon Marshall, you know, actual potential offense, he made the biggest mistake, uh, you know, the average person can do, and that's loan money to a co-worker it ended up costing him an entire season and we never got to see him to full potential and the last time we saw him was playing in a game where pretty much the jets were already down and out and back to our usual dysfunctional self Mm -hmm. so that's that's my only kind of in defense of Geno smith argument we've never really had a chance to see his full potential with actual you know offensive weapons around him now that's not what we're getting with the New York Giants either. Uh, you can say as many things as you want about Eli Manning. Is he an elite quarterback? Yada, yada. This is not the fucking way that you bench Eli. He had nothing to do with the had so far. And I'm pretty sure he's taking a lot of the fall for what's going on. I don't see any point right now in, in putting Geno Smith in, in a situation that's absolute shit. And they're going up against uh, you know a defense that... It's pretty damn good right now. The Baltimore Ravens defense is pretty friggin' good. So you're throwing them to the Wolves here in his first game back in a, a pointless situation. That's my two cents on all of this. I, Dude, I'm going to echo you just because, listen, in this league, I understand that NFL is not for long. It is a situation where, you know, you know what have you done for me lately? But Eli Manning has done amazing things 
for this team. He's won two Super Bowls. He's defeated Tom Brady and the Patriots twice in some of the greatest games that have ever been played. Uh, I mean, he's a guy whose name is going to be hanging in the rafters for this Giants team. And I just, I just agree with you. I think this is the worst way to handle this situation because the reality is, you named it, man, it's not like he's the reason they're in this, okay? The entire... All of the wheels came off the wagon. ODB getting hurt, the injuries piling up all throughout the season, the terrible play, and I'm sorry, but I got to point a lot of this at Ben McAdoo. All right, I really think this is coming back to the coaching. I think he's made some extremely questionable calls. I think that he has completely lost the locker room. And, you know, you were just talking about putting Geno Smith in a position to succeed. He's not going to be in a position to succeed. I mean, this is not a situation where, you know, these guys are going to offer you a better chance to win more than Eli Manning. And I understand Eli... You know, this has been the story his entire career. Is he as good as you really want him to be? You know, he's got these Super Bowl wins, but then he goes out there and he's Eli Manning. You know, he's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Sometimes he looks amazing. Sometimes he throws four interceptions. And there's constantly been this discussion of when is it going to, when is, you know, when's he going to fall off a cliff? When is it time to move on? And let's be real here. I think that this was going to happen in the offseason. They were going to have a discussion. I think they were going to honestly say, we're rebuilding. They were going to say, we don't want to pay all this money to you. And they were going to honestly try to roll with some of these new guys to see if they work. So that's why benching him now with five games left in the season and having Ben McAdoo come out and say that we honestly think that Geno Smith gives us a better chance to win, I mean... I just, I just think they handled this terribly. For a guy like Eli Manning's caliber, for his lore in that franchise, I mean, it goes back. You, you think back to like when the Cleveland Browns benched Bernie Kosar. Like, this is just, there's ways to handle things. And you can look back at that and you can think whatever you want. But the truth is, they kind of handled that situation poorly in Cleveland 20 years ago. And I think we're going to look back on this and we're going to say, you know what? There could have been a better way to do this. And benching Eli Manning and kind of disgracing this, this, you know, this titan of the New York Giants, I just don't think it's the way to play it. I don't like how they're handling this. I just he just he deserves more than that. Two things. You know, credit to Eli Manning for handling this about as you can you know, just graceful. You know, he's he said he's okay with the change. He didn't lash out at any coaches. He didn't throw anyone under the bus. He didn't point any fingers. He's classy. So, yeah, exactly. Props to Eli for being classy about this whole shit show of a situation. And number two, my bad, the Giants are playing the Oakland Raiders, who are not doing well themselves this year. Um, But I'm pretty sure they're going to be looking at chops at a chance to kind of get, you know, like a confidence boost now that the Giants are pretty much laying down on the train tracks. Yeah, uh, You're absolutely right when you said, like, you could have waited until the offseason done this with a little bit of integrity given him like you know his walking papers but in the way that was like hey you know what thanks for all the, the hard work you put in and all the years you've done for the team but it's time to rebuild and instead you in the most insulting way a guy who got two super bowl rings is beating tom brady twice in the super bowl you know it and probably look there's gonna be arguments forever about whether or not eli manning deserves to be in the hall of fame i think he does at this point i agree i think he does his resume alone pretty much says it for me. But regardless of that, as a New York Giants fan, which I'm not, but anyone who is would say that this is an awful way to 
to end a guy's career who's been so loyal and so dedicated. And I think he's got 210 consecutive starts. Yeah. A quarterback, which is insane to just say, hey, you know what? Great job not being hurt, not wasting our money. You're getting benched for Geno Smith. Yeah. I it, it ain't right. It ain't right. And I listen, even in football, I think there's better ways to do things than this. And I just, I do not like how they're handling this. And I, I, I don't think it's right. It's not. I'm honestly a little bit speechless. I'm not going to lie. It still, it still hasn't really sunk in. I, I mean, I think he's, I think this is kind of a one and done situation. I, if Geno Smith has a great game, I'll be almost as surprised as I am right now. But look, I think this is going to be one game and then Eli's going to come back and play again. But man, this just, it's just brutal. They could have, look, at the worst they could have done is let Eli play the first half of this game against the Raiders. And if it gets away from them, you bring Geo in for the second half. I agree. I agree. So that's all you have to do. I mean, it's just one thing to at least be respectful. It's, it's, all right, we got to move on because I feel like we're just going to go deeper into this rabbit hole of depression because it's, it's just, I mean, I just didn't think that the Giants were going to be this dysfunctional, but I mean, if you're going to go down, go all the way down, dude, it's God, man, can't believe it. All right, let's, let's get out of this. Let's go back to the positivity. I'm going to have a real quick Eagles gasm because the Eagles are 10 and one. This does not happen very often. This is really only the fourth time in franchise history. And every other time they've done it, they've always gone to the championship game. Because back in the 40s, it was a championship game and it wasn't a Super Bowl. Dominating against a shitty-ass team like the Bears. I mean, still putting up 30, you know, beating them by 30 points, even though they had atrocious turnovers. I mean, the Eagles are just... Oh, ah, oh, oh, sorry, I just, I just jizzed in my pants a little bit there. Uh, but we're going to move on from the Eagles because, you know, I don't want to focus on some of these teams that we already like. I don't need to talk about the Patriots right now. I don't need to talk about the Eagles right now. And, you know, I probably should talk a little bit about the Jaguars and the Titans, but I don't want to talk about them either. Uh, so for those out there, I sent over some teams that I think Shaka and uh, I need to rip apart because they are teams that have interesting question marks around them as they get closer to the playoffs. The first one I want to jump into is the Minnesota Vikings. All right, this was certainly a team that had high hopes after week one with Sam Bradford through 300 yards. But then when Bradford goes down, Dalvin Cook tears his ACL. And you really are sitting there with Case Keenum and Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, you know, and, and the only real exciting spots are Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs in this brilliant defense. I don't think there were high hopes. And now we see them 9-2, and two, one of the best records in the league, Case Keenum, I believe, is is looking fantastic. I mean, everyone's kind of waiting for Case Keenum to look like dog shit, and he just continues to impress. The defense, I think, is really the heart and soul of this team, and I think that's what they live and die by. I know Stephon Diggs and Thielen are dangerous, and I know Keenum has been able to find them, but I think this defense is where they come and go from. But the questions I want to ask for you are, how are they going to be defeated? Because I see Keenum being their undoing. Tell me what you think you see them doing in the playoffs. Like, are they going to get a first-round bye? Are they actually – like, who who actually can beat them? You know what I'm saying? Like, give me some thoughts yeah. on this Vikings team. Well, every time I watch a Vikings game, I'm reminded of the Seinfeld episode where Kramer is with the guy from the car dealership, and they're driving the car, and there's no gas in the tank. <laughs> and they're just like, we're going to take this thing as far as we can possibly go. <laughs> Basically – Basically, the Vikings right now are, as far as I'm concerned, look, they're 9-2. and two. 
no one, no one on planet Earth, even with Sam Bradford, would have expected us to be this good. Yeah. So, and we we can we can sit on our hands and wait for Case Keenum to choke, which may take a while. But um, you know what? Like I, I'm sure everyone in Minnesota is like, shut up, let us enjoy the ride right now. Uh, and you know what? That defense is doing it. I I think at the end of the day, Sam, the defense is what's gonna win or lose. Uh the playoff chances for the Minnesota Vikings. We can talk about Case Keenum all we want. And as far as quarterbacks go in terms of not turning the ball over and making smart decisions, you can't really ask for much more. You know, he doesn't, he's not necessarily, you know, going to kill you with his arm strength or, you know, make incredible scrambling plays out of the pocket like Deshaun Watson was when he's healthy. Yeah. But does just enough. And he's got just enough of talent around him. Let's not count out Adam Thielen and how great he's been this season. Yeah, yeah. Those guys get open and they get yards after catch. I mean, they're helping him. It's Stephon Diggs as as quick and you know as real as he is after the catch has been kind of overshadowed by Thielen, which is fine because you got you he, they're nightmare matchups. You got to figure out you want to get the guy who's Mister Surehands and Thielen, or do you want to double cover uh, Stephon Diggs who can literally shake you out of your boots with his back turned to you and get another 25, 35 yards downfield. And let's not forget their tight end is also fantastic. Yeah. And they're doing this with a running back committee of Jared McKinnon and uh, Latavius Murray, you know, who's kind of wasn't fantastic in Oakland and is also doing just enough right now yeah. to kind of keep the team afloat. So they have, they got a pretty solid core. They've got depth and they got a great defense. I think they can go in the, don't be surprised if they have a first-round buy. Yeah, um, you know, the way it's looking, I, I can fully expect them to get that first-round buy. It's still, I still can't fathom the concept that they're doing all this with Case Keenum. It's a little unbelievable. Uh, but I'm, I'm still sitting here, you know, thinking, who's going to, who, who is going to, you know, can this defense beat the Eagles? You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting here saying, can this defense beat the Saints? Like, I think this defense could beat the Saints, um, you know, yeah. I, th- I think this defense could probably even beat Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Uh, but I'm sort of sitting here going, you know, when's it, when's the shoe going to drop when Case Keenum throws two interceptions and, you know, all of a sudden the Eagles have to slug out a win versus them, you know, 23, 21 or something like that. Like, that's where I think this is heading to, but I mean, I just can't, I mean, I look at the Vikings and I say, where are the weaknesses? And I say, Case Keenum. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's very fair. You know, look, as far as quarterback play in a career, Case Keenum's been around for a long time. And, I mean, besides, like, having, like, somewhat of a solid half a season with the Rams, we really haven't had much to say about him being, you know, a stellar quarterback. So, I, you're absolutely right. If there's going to be a flaw, it, it's got to be Keenum. Yeah, that's that's what I keep thinking. And I'm just sort of, like, waiting for something to happen or for them to have a big loss. But I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's the thing that frightens me because now the Eagles are, they're so good. Everyone's like, ah, the, you know, now officially the Eagles have gotten all of the love that they're going to get. It's like, they're like the Cowboys from last year where everybody, everything they said on the tip of everybody's tongue was Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys. And then they, you know, they lose, they go Oh, and one in the playoffs, (laughs) you know, and and you forget about the teams like the Falcons and the Packers and all those other guys. And sort of like, I feel like teams are forgetting a little bit about this Vikings team and you can't sleep on them because that defense is so dangerous, but I'm looking for, I think part of it is that they're not a very I, – I, I don't know how else to put it. They're not a very exciting team. They don't do anything electrifying. No. 
Adam Thielen is the second. I think he's number two in the in the in the league in uh, in catches behind Antonio Brown, who is an electric player. But you would never, you would have never saw that coming. I mean, last year he had a, a stellar second half of the season, and he's carried that right over into this year. But I mean, they don't do anything, you know, that wows you. A big, they have big defensive stops, but that's not going to make the highlight reel anywhere. But that, that's a, a good call. Like you can't sleep on them because they do everything well. They're fundamentally sound. Dude, I'm scared of this Vikings team. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, okay, next team that uh, that I had on the list that I want to discuss, the Falcons. And speaking of which, I think it's a good opportunity because the Falcons and the Vikings are playing each other this Sunday. And I think that's going to be a nice little litmus test for both teams because the Falcons, I think, are turning heads now because I think we well, – listen – some of us, I mean, I was, to some degree, I was ready to write them off. When they, ha- when they had those sort of lukewarm wins against sub-500 teams, and then when they lost these atrocious clunker games against teams like the Dolphins, you know, I was really starting to, I mean, I was coming back saying, you know, what, what the hell's going on with this team? Is Sarkeesian really any good as an offensive coordinator? You know, is there something, you know, intrinsically wrong with this team that's going to stop them from, you know, actually making the playoffs? Now they're turning it around. Now they're putting up points. Now Julio Jones has 12 catches and 200 yards receiving. So let's use this game against the Vikings as sort of a a framework for this discussion. Let's start off by saying, who's going to win this game? Can the Falcons beat the Vikings? Well, no. I'm going to say that flatly just to, to kind of cut to the chase. But I will give the Falcons credit. They've played with a lot of life in the last few weeks, um, which is uh, incredible because uh, Freeman's been injured. Yeah. And he hasn't really played. Tevin Coleman's been their starting back. And, I mean, granted, he's done a great job, but their one-two punch has been limited to just one, and they're still winning games. Yeah. Now, Julio Jones last weekend had a monster game, and it's been good to kind of see him be his dominant self because we know he's got that potential. So, I mean, some positive there. But I, I'm going to be honest with you, that Vikings defense, Xavier Rose is going to clamp down on Julio Jones. And he's already, they're already jawing. They're already kind of getting ready with the trash talk. Yeah. You know, and he's telling him, don't take any plays off because I'm going to be there waiting for you. So really got to ask yourself one with the, the Falcons here. Can Mohamed Sanu step up again? Yeah. And have a, a big role playing game. Um, are they going to have enough in the tank to kind of, you know, overload this Vikings defense? And most importantly to me is is Matt Ryan really like is he really motivated to kind of you know take his team back to that championship level again I, I I'm still I'm still hesitant granted they've won three games in a row like I said I don't I still don't feel threatened I don't feel like this Falcons team is dangerous enough to me where I'm legitimately thinking that they can take on this Vikings defense the, the Vikings defense is rolling people over right now yeah they are I mean that's so. the that's the thing that I'm I'm with you as well like I would pick the Vikings too because defenses travel and I can see this Vikings defense coming to Atlanta and getting pressure on Matt Ryan and you know screwing up all of their magical fun loving Sarkeesian timing that you know gets them into these trick plays that allows them to have these long gains and you know if that defense gets some pressure on him and screws up, you know, some of the timing with their cute little end arounds. All of a sudden I see a turnover and then I see, you know, the Vikings in the red zone. And the only thing that could sort of turn my I my thought on this is what about the Falcons defense trying to get some pressure on Case Keenum? But the truth is we were just talking about this. This Vikings offense is not bad. 
And yeah. with those playmakers, I mean, and you can't you can't discount this. The, the Vikings offensive line is actually pretty good this year. I mean, they were They've terrible last job. year. And now They've this year, they're at least job. legitimate. You're absolutely right. They've done a great job. Uh, we, we haven't talked so much. There was, I mean, there were a couple of times last week where Keenum went down, but I think that was just a case of him holding on to the football a little bit too long in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, uh, absolutely right. They actually gotten some some breathing room in the running game as well. Um, granted, they were, uh, earlier in the season, they were doing a lot more screen passes to McKinnon. The offense has kind of uh, adapted to more to the Latavius Murray's, uh, you know, downhill running style, which mm-hmm. is fine because that's exactly what they had when uh, Dalvin Cook was healthy. Yeah. And they've kind of transitioned back to that a little bit more with the forcefulness. But, I, again, look, I would say if you're talking about on both sides of the football, I have to say the Vikings look a little bit stronger to me on paper. Wow. Uh, all right, I'm going to ask again. Are the Falcons making the playoffs? Um, I, I mean, we said this last week. They they have a rough schedule. They got a rough schedule because I mean, I want to say yes, but I'm starting to think no. And it's this is going to be again. I said this last week, and I, I'm standing by it. Is that if the Falcons are really serious? They really mean this. They got to win like all these games going forward. They can't be any kind of you know wishy washiness. Seven and four is okay. It's pretty solid in NFL standards. But with the strength of the schedule that they have, seven to four is not going to get you much unless you kind of put your foot on everybody's throat going forward. Yeah, this this NFC is is uh, like you got to win ten games just to get in. I don't think we're not we're not going to have any nine and seven teams in the playoffs from the NFC. Probably from the AFC, but not the NFC. <laughs> Probably. Uh, okay, let's go to the Rams. Rams, I think, have also been one of the other sexy picks this season, and you know after of all after losing to the Vikings going on the road and getting chewed up by that defense that figures out ways to shut down high-powered offenses. The Rams, you know, bounced right back, came home, played another NFC contender in the Saints, and I think the Rams were pretty they were pretty convincing against that Saints team. And the thing that that surprised me it wasn't just the offense. It wasn't just Gurley and Goff doing what they wanted to and finding ways to abuse the 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 Saints defense which they were sorely sorely missing Marshawn Lattimore and Ken Crawley. I mean, yep. holy shit, they really missed those guys. And I don't want to just say the Saints, it would have been a totally different game if they were playing. There's no reason to think that was the case. But missing those guys, that Saints defense, which has been magical all year, was really kind of forgettable. But you get this Rams team. And now you get, and now you have the Rams team that has already been high-powered, but now their defense, I think, is really starting to step up. This was a team that was known for their defense in the past handful of years. But this year, the start of the season, the defense kind of got forgotten behind all this high-powered Sean McVay offense. Now the defense is looking good. Aaron Donald was getting a lot of pressure on Drew Brees the other day. And I'm starting to sit here going, whoa, you know, when, when you put together this explosive offense with a defense that can actually really get some pressure on the quarterback and can really, really get after and and really gets and maybe even get some turnovers. I mean, holy shit, this Rams team is looking scary. So give me some thoughts on the Rams. I mean, are they at least winning the division over the Seahawks? I, I'm still – it's still theirs to lose in my opinion. I think the Rams are going to take the division. Um, now, like you said, Aaron Donald, man – uh, I, I look at this guy who came out of nowhere. Dude, under- pay that man. Pay that man. Undersized for his position. I mean, right now, looking like, and it's, it's still a little bit early, premature to say it, but Hall of Fame, just kind of just just the, the heart that this guy has. Give him his money because you know this is not a guy who's going to take a playoff. He's not going to relax. 
he's always going to be flying, you know, flying down there, giving you exactly what I mean, and I have yet to see an offensive line that really (laughs) slows him down. He's changed that defense entirely by himself. It takes so much pressure off of the secondary, which is pretty damn good as it is. Mm -hmm. got a guy like that that just clogs up lanes and causes all kind of chaos. So with that said, look, man, I, I don't know much about Jared Goff as a quarterback. And there's a really good article, actually, in The Undefeated, I haven't had a chance to read yet, that talks about, and your favorite friend, Jeff Fisher. Oh, yeah. And what he does to quarterbacks. Like, is it kind of his fault? Because also, let's not forget, Case Keenum was once upon a time a Ram under Fisher. Oh, yeah. So they have this thing about, you know, now these two quarterbacks are no longer on his sway. Is Jeff Fisher just shit with quarterbacks? And I'm assuming the answer to that is probably a yes. I mean, I probably want to say yeah, because he's, he's really a defensive coach. Yeah. Now, Goff is leading one of the best offenses in football. They've got a lot of weapons. Cooper Cup's been great as a rookie. They, I, look, they, they've got, like I said, it's their division to lose. And they've got a pretty winnable schedule going forward. So I I, I like the Rams, man. I, they're still kind of a weird team for me to watch because they just, on paper, they don't seem like they would be this dominant. Yeah. And lo and behold, they are. I mean, I completely agree, especially when you saw Robert Woods go down. I mean, he'd been their best receiver. Sammy Watkins had been a non-factor for, you know, a big chunk of the season. And, I mean, those guys just stepped right in. You know, Watkins stepped in. Cooper Cup had 100 yards. Todd Gurley, I mean, what the hell was Jeff Fisher doing? To see see Todd Gurley take such a step back and then for him to come back this year and be just as amazing as he was a couple of years ago – I mean, what a dangerous assortment of talent that they have there. And, I mean, I'm sitting here now just, I'm hoping deep down that if the Eagles play them in the playoffs, and of course, listen, I mean, I'm an Eagles fan. Everything's from the perspective of Philadelphia. (laughs) You know, can the Eagles front seven do what the Vikings did the other day and actually interrupt their offense, get some pressure on him, cause some turnovers? Because I do feel like this Rams offense is a little fragile. Like... They're almost like the Falcons from last year. Like, they have to be perfect. Everything needs to be timed just right. And if it doesn't work out perfectly, the play doesn't go well. But if it does work perfectly, it could be a 70-yard touchdown pass. So I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, so I'm really hoping that there is sort of a way to kind of undo... Because I think you're right. I think Goff has got a lot of talent and has been able to sort of rise this season, but... You know, there isn't a little bit of the intangible talent that I see with Carson Wentz with Jared Goff. Like, it seems like if you set up Goff right, he'll be able to deliver. But if you ruin the game plan, I don't know if he's able to respond right now. And that's why I think the Rams' defense ascending right now is kind of the reason why they're getting more dangerous. That's the reason why I think they could probably beat Seattle before the end of the season. Yeah. Like I said, the schedule is winnable. And it's funny enough. Oh, you guys are the the Philadelphia Eagles are the only team on their schedule who I think is going to give them, you know, an actual a problem. You look, it's Arizona next. Mm-hmm. You got Philly, you got Seattle, you got Tennessee, and you got San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe Tennessee will give them a little trouble, but I mean Tennessee is so inconsistent right now. Yeah. I, I don't I have no idea what the hell to make of them. So optimistically, the Rams can go four and one. Three and two to finish out the season, which is still pretty solid. Yeah, I mean that's at least a twelve and four or eleven and five record. Yeah, that's, yeah, that'll get you in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, I I'm still scared of them. I 
I feel like I might be more scared of the Vikings than the Rams right now, but both teams are just, listen, in a year where the Eagles are up, you know, shocking everyone by doing what they're doing, it doesn't help me that there's two others or three other Cinderella teams who are also shocking everybody right now. It's a good time to be a football fan. It's a very good time to be a football fan. Let's shift to the AFC. <laughs> oh my I, God, the AFC. I Listen, sometimes I've always felt like the AFC has been like the Western Conference in basketball, like they're just so much better than the Eastern Conference. But well, shit has changed, man, because the AFC is dog shit this year. Um. And I'm going to start off by talking about one of these dog shit teams. We're talking about the Chiefs. Which is crazy because the Chiefs should not be on the dog shit list, and lo and behold, they are. No, they shouldn't be. I mean, this was a team that was, I mean, they were talking about Alex Smith as MVP, Kareem Hunt as MVP. They were blowing out the Patriots. They were 5-0. and Andy Reid was being re-anointed as a Super Bowl coach. And, I mean, what the hell? I mean, they just started losing games at an enormous clip. Uh, their defense has disappeared. Their offense has completely gone back to everything that we know their offense used to be with Alex Smith, dink and dunk, throwing three-yard passes and uh, trying to figure out how the hell to get a run game manufactured and maybe occasionally throwing in some weird, bizarre gadget play to Tyreek Hill that doesn't work. Right. I- I'm just, what? how did they go completely full circle? And, and, and well, uh, what are, why are they being dismantled by teams like the Raiders? There was a really good article actually on ESPN, which I read, and I hadn't really... It, there hasn't really been that much coverage. We've talked about the Chiefs not playing well, but there hasn't really been a breakdown, per se, mm-hmm. of what's going on, just what the fuck's going I on. I mean, we saw so, when Eric Berry went down in week one, we, we sort of saw a little bit of this, but they looked good right away, so it was like, oh, yeah. I guess they can weather the storm. Well, and it's point, it seems to be pointing out that the biggest change, not so much as on the defense side, but on the offensive side, just in terms of... Um, the O-line? The Chiefs can't run the football. Yeah. They just really can't get the ball, you know, run the football. Most teams right now that are beating them, they start challenging them with cover two, which basically means your safeties are set further back to get rid of all those trick and fun and gadget plays. They don't get beat. No one's getting, you know, past them. The safeties aren't running after anyone. Anyone that's going to challenge them is going to be face up with them Mm -hmm. is one. And two, the offensive line coaches that really kind of put his hand up and accepted responsibility is that they're not getting any push off of the ball. So, yeah, Kareem Hunt has not been running with the kind of dominance that we saw in those first five or six games. Uh, and like you said, Alex Smith, you know, was friggin' lights out. Like, he, was, I think he had 16 touchdowns and no interceptions yeah. in those first few games, and now he's kind of been almost non-existent. He's been, I think, like three touchdowns, three interceptions since. Yeah. So it's been a night and day difference with the offense, and – they're saying that the big problem is that the Chiefs just, for some reason, can't seem to figure out cover two. I mean, it's not that's, a new defense. Listen, it's not a new defense. We're gonna be the we're gonna be the eight millionth talking head to say that is not a bizarre defense. We're talking about cover two is pretty routine in the NFL. Yeah, and the Bill, the Buffalo Bills, who just beat them, you know, they're interviewing the secondary, and the secondary saying, you know, that we we had like big meetings about this in the locker room where we're just saying no big plays keep everything in front of you and that's it there's nothing dynamic there's nothing secretive about it so until they figure out the magic of this the chiefs are just going to have to learn how to change up andy reed who's got all these different formations and sets and plays in place he's got to learn to change it up he's got to come with a new battle strategy because what he has been like kind of getting by on everyone remember the second half of last year the chiefs won like every freaking game yeah 
uh, it's not working anymore. People have caught on and they've kind of figured it out. So the NFL, you know, is a game of like you run with whatever works until it doesn't work anymore and you switch it up. Dude. And it's time to change. And they have time not they have not been responding. You know, and you've been saying it with the offensive line. I mean, they've had a, they've had injuries along the offensive line. And I think that's I really think that's kind of where it goes back to. Because you said it, the offensive line coach is throwing his hands up in the air. Kareem Hunt can't get any push off the ball. And, you know, now, listen, I think when we were talking at the beginning of the season about Alex Smith's performance, we were all agreeing he's he's playing better than what he normally is. This is not Alex Smith. This is not how he normally plays. He, he had something like, I mean, if I could pull up pro football focus, I'll, I'd throw some actual stats out there. But it was something like he had like six or seven... 20 plus yard pass plays in the first five weeks of the year and he had seven all of last year so it was clear that he was just playing way higher than he was ever going to be expected and big surprise he's regressed back to the mean he's now back to not throwing deep he's now back to playing dink and dunk conservative offense and when that offensive line can't protect him when they can't get a run game going all of a sudden their offense is just and then, you know, their defense, that deep has been slowly falling apart. I mean, it's, it's, it started with Eric Berry, and then it's just com- it's continued to crumble as the season has gone on. And people are talking about now the Chargers winning the division and overtaking the Chiefs. I'm going to hit you right now. Are the Chiefs – fuck winning the division. Are the Chiefs making the playoff, Shaka? I honestly – I don't feel confident about it. I, the Chiefs wow. can't even figure out. Alex Smith is going to still be the quarterback. They, you know, Pat Mahomes is the Pat Mahomes, uh, you know, contingencies gaining steam. It is. People, but listen, this is like Geno Smith. They, they ain't going to have a better chance of winning with Mahomes in there right now. Yeah, you still got to deal with the same issues that, you know, your defense, the defenses have figured you out. Like Pat Mahomes is even less experienced than Alex Smith. He's going to have to kind of deal with the same thing. You're going to maybe get a few more dynamic plays. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you're still going to have to put up points and I don't know I, I've seen only a little bit of Mahomes on tape I honestly don't know I and they look scouts loved him they thought he was great they thought he was a great addition for this Chiefs team for the future but I don't think that's really something they were expecting to come so soon so I look I like I said I like San Diego I root for San Diego for some reason they've always been kind of a second team to me mm-hmm. in terms of uh if you had to have a second NFL team mm-hmm. and I I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if San Diego really kind of takes advantage of this uh, just incredible slump by the Chiefs. Dude, just think about where the Chargers might be if they'd actually won a few of those games at the beginning of the season when their kicker missed. Because we wouldn't be having this conversation. Holy shit. Because they'd be above 500 and they'd be right in the thick of it with the Chiefs. It's incredible how, how quickly this thing has kind of fallen off the rails for... I, I mean, I'm really still just stunned at how just utter uh, inept the offense looks right now. All right, real quick, before we get on to the Steelers, Chiefs are playing the Jets this Sunday in New York. Who wins that game? Um, Because, uh, d- dude, I think the Jets, listen, actually, I don't I think, think the Jets, Jets are that bad, and I think they got a chance of winning. I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the Jets, I'm, I'm actually genuinely and legitimately optimistic. Um, Robbie Anderson's played great. Dude, Robbie Anderson, man, pay that man. I think he's, I think he's third in the NFL in uh, touchdowns this year, um, at wide receiver. And granted, he's been called out by some shitty sportscaster for, you know, 
as begging for a Pro Bowl spot. I think he's earning it. I think he's he's dude. He's, dude, he's, he's earning it. I mean, look, remember this guy was on a practice squad at one point. Uh, you know, and he's a rookie. He was a rookie last year, kind of thrown into a crappy situation, and he's making the best out of it this year. Uh, that aside, I, I again look, the Chiefs still haven't yet to figure out cover two defense, and you know Todd Bowles is going to be watching a, a ton of tape. He's going to kind of make his own tweaks, his own adjustments, and kind of get his guys, Jamal Adams and uh, Marcus May, ready, you know, to, to do their job. He's got two rookie safeties. So uh, it's going to be one of those things where if Andy Reid can adjust, he's going to try and take advantage, you know, with Travis Kelsey matchup-wise on uh, on Jamal Adams, who's has kind of been his Achilles heel is uh, agile tight ends. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a, a good matchup uh, situation right then i think whoever can control that is going to come out the winner on this okay all right uh steelers they're nine and two yes steelers and the patriots are clearly the the toast of the afc this this shitty ass afc um they've practically locked up the buy we the 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 first round buys already but steelers had a sunday night game at home against the green bay packers and brett hundley Okay, I was pretty convinced this was going to be a dog shit game that I didn't need to watch, and I actually tuned out. I started watching other TV. I had the game on in the background. Every time I looked up, Brett Hundley was throwing 50-yard passes. Now, granted, one or two of them was a screen pass, but a couple of them were long passes to open receivers, and I'm sitting here going, okay, I thought this game was going to be a gimme, and this old story of the the Steelers coming up and being inconsistent, rolling over and and laying an egg against a team that they shouldn't be laying an egg against. And I'm just going to come right out and say it. They did it last year against the Eagles. Okay, the Eagles, you know, they weren't the greatest team last year. They showed flashes here and there, but they weren't that good. The Eagles beat the living shit out of the Steelers last year. So the Steelers seem to have this game every other year, or really every year, where all of a sudden they just decide to mail it in, or maybe they don't mail it in, but they play down to the level of their opponent, and they end up sort of squeaking out a victory, or maybe not squeaking out a victory. And that's what I saw this week, where they ended up having to kick a 53-yarder to beat the Packers. So, part of my question is, how the hell does this happen, and what does it mean for their playoff chances? Like, what team are they going to play in the playoffs where they're going to roll over and just take a shit on the field and lose? Well, I, this is this is actually a much tougher question than I would think. But let me start off by saying I think the Steelers are going to be fine. I've been saying that for a few weeks now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Antonio Brown is arguably the best player on the planet, and I'm I kind of find it unfair that he's not part of the MVP conversation. To be honest, mm. just in terms of just what he does for that offense, just imagine where they would be without uh, Antonio Brown right now. Uh, I the Steelers, it, it's it's incredible to me. Um, look, you're absolutely right. There's no argument. There's no argument that. And this they, is a good defense. This is a good yeah, defense. We And I've said that too. I, I think they're actually a, a bit of an underrated defense. Um, but look, the week before this, Indianapolis gave them trouble. Yeah. This past week, the Packers have given them a little bit of trouble. I mean, and I don't know if it's a complacency issue. But uh, there is a little bit of a concern. But look, Mike Tomlin doesn't really seem to think so. Uh, he's, he's even said, we've got the tools, we've got the weapons. We've, you know, we check all the boxes. I think this team can be great. Do you think there's any locker room issues? Like, I know there was Martavis Bryant drama. 
you know. I think this team's used to it, though. I think every year, if, if it's not Le'Veon Bell's contract issue, Antonio Brown doing stuff on Facebook, I mean, I, I think they probably are used to kind of having something swirling around. Another year would be Ben Roethlisberger. You know, they're they're used to kind of having some issue to kind of address because otherwise they're they're I don't want to say they're pretty plain, but there's not much else to talk about with the Steelers if there's not some side drama going on. I mean, and look, one of their best wide receivers is complaining he's not getting the ball enough. Uh, that to me is, I mean, God help. It's just a shame that you have so much talent on your team. I'm sure the Browns would be dying to have a guy like you. Oh you my know, God, they'd be foaming team. at the mouth for Juju Smith-Schuster. Exactly. So you have, you know, you you have much worse problems as far as I'm concerned. Now going forward, I think the issue is still, you know, they're, they're going to run into some teams that, you know, are legitimate. This is what happened last year. They ran into Kansas City in the playoffs. The question is... Now they beat Kansas City in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they're going to have teams that, you know, put them to the test. So uh, the, from here on out, you know, once you reach the playoffs, the championship road. The question is, can Mike Tomlin kind of talk these guys back up? Because, you know, Roethlisberger ain't young. This, I wouldn't say this is his last year, but I think after this year, if they don't win it, he's probably going to think, you know, I got one more year left in me. Mm-hmm. But the, the the clock is running, you know, pretty quickly on the core that they have, and I think if uh, if they're gonna do this, Tomlin's got to convince them that hey, this like we and he says it. He says it in press conferences. He thinks this team is great and they have a chance to be, you know, one of the best teams ever. They're nine and two, um, but I think we're talking about them like they're a seven and five team. Yeah, no, and, that's but, appropriate. Know, and and I, I think again, I, I'm not being overly defensive of them, but I think that they, despite all the adversity, all the problems they have kind of playing consistent, they've still managed to come out on top. You know, win's a win. We're going to be looking at this team, hopefully, you know, at like 14-2 and and saying, hey, like, you know, this is... Why were we ever doubting their inconsistency? This is a dangerous, yeah, this is a dangerous-ass team. And, you know, they've got all the weapons to do it. Pop quiz, two weeks from now, or three weeks from now, they play the New England Patriots in Pittsburgh. Who wins that game? It's a great question. You know what I'm saying? This is the ultimate test. This is the ultimate test because this is the team that knocked them off and, you know, went to the Super Bowl and in some regards took their spot. Yeah. So can they really, you know, this will be the revenge game it, of it, sorts. It will be. I mean, I still don't. Dude, it's just so hard to bet against the Patriots. I can't. It really is. Tom Brady Tom Brady's still in the MVP conversation easily. But I think um, that uh, the Patriots defense. I honestly, you know what, Sam? I would actually say this is almost like a mirror image team uh, in terms of what you're getting. On you know, the I would say the Steelers defense is slightly better, mm-hmm. but I would say the Patriots defense offense is slightly better just because of Tom Brady at quarterback. Yeah, so well, you're getting kind of a the closest. You know, I mean, I would say the Steelers offense up. is a little better just because of more playmakers. Like Tom Brady has lost all of his receivers this year. He's got Gronk and a, so, and a bunch he's of no names. Somehow managed, he managed to make. I mean, his numbers at quarterback are absolutely. You would have no idea that their quarterbacks Dude. with better receivers that don't put up the numbers. He it's, does. It's unbelievable so. that he's forty years old and he's in an MVP conversation. Right? It's just, it's, and he's. There is no end in sight. The Patriots traded away both of their backup quarterbacks. I mean, he's coming back next year, and there's no reason to think he's not going to come back for another two or three years. So it's really incredible uh, that we're here. Look, I mean, in terms of a matchup, this probably, I wouldn't say this is the best game of the regular season, per se, but Mm -hmm. it's damn close. 
I mean, this that's that is certainly one I'm going to be marking on my calendar. I want to see who wins that game because it's going to be a little bit of it's probably going to be a preview of the AFC Championship. Just throwing it Absolutely. out there now. Absolutely. All right, guys, that's it. We're done. We had to break this thing down. Had to talk a little bit about Eli Manning. Oh, shed a single tear, man. Just just pour it out for my homies. Um, I, I I don't want to say anything ill about Geno Smith, but I kind of hope he gets hurt in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and Eli comes back and just wins the game for him. Dude, Eli just gives stink eye to Ben McAdoo the whole time. Look, it's crazy. I mean, look, can we talk about this a little bit? Sterling Shepard's missed the last two weeks with migraine. They have nobody. They nobody. have a rookie. Evan Engram is their only receiver. They have no running back. Like, come on. Nobody. It's crazy. Nobody. I mean, it's just wrong. It's just wrong to lay this on Eli. It's just wrong. It's like they dragged him into the mess. He, I mean, he literally has to throw the football and catch it himself at this point if he wants to win. It's just not possible. It's just it's wrong. It's just wrong. I don't like. I don't like it. Um, all right, guys, we got to get out of here. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. As always, you can subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Subscribe to my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at. Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones. Email Shaka and I with mailbag questions at samsportsstation at gmail.com. And uh, listen, enjoy this week's slate of games. It should be pretty exciting. And uh, Shaka, any closing remarks you want to give us? Anything we should look for this weekend that you're excited about? Um, I think that's it, man. There's a lot of games right now. I don't want to say they're dead games, but uh, I, I think the separation's kind of created itself in terms of who's legit and who's not. I probably, I'm actually looking forward to, it, and this is not biased. This Kansas City Jets game, right? I'm, I'm, st- I want to, I want to watch that game too. Like, I, I really Just think the Jets see, have a solid think, chance of winning. City, is Kansas City kind of thrown in the towel here, or like I don't know, I don't know what's going on. They, maybe this is a chance they get to kind of find themselves. Dude, this might be a, this might be a winner go home type game. Yeah, exactly. This is this might kind of define the season because look, I mean, Spencer Ware getting hurt at the start of it wasn't necessarily a big deal with Hunt playing so well, but now you're starting to wonder like, you know, who are we pointing the fingers at really for this? Like, yeah. We just kind of you know, man, fuck the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, listen, sorry, sorry for all the Chiefs fans out there. I'm not trying to knock you guys. It's just you guys are having a rough year, and you know what? You gotta you gotta start figuring things out, or else you're gonna be on the outside looking in. I'm just saying. You gonna be like the Giants, basically oh. starting over. Oh my God! All right, guys, we gotta get out of here. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot for listening. Take it easy. Bye bye. Enjoy the games, guys. <laughs>